like ethical, Don't. right? If you're going to test something on someone, you might as well no. test it on yourself. No, it's not. <laughs> That's okay. not ethical. No. I mean, but is it, is it, I, I just mean, <laughs> comparatively, is it more ethical than forcing someone? Oh, of course. It's more ethical than that, but okay. it is still a big no-no to okay. test things cool, on cool, yourself. Cool. Apoptosis is going mad, my liver's gonna fail. Maybe it's from the radium I use to paint my nails. Well, say you hate me, carbon date me, throw me in the sea. I'll be back with time because I'm made of stardust and chemistry. A stardust and chemistry. To further my, uh, Education with geology, I'd have to like get some education in chemistry. Yeah. Because I know that uh, I guess uh, that's the elements that make up everything on Earth. You know, mm-hmm. we're all chemical elements to some degree. Yeah. Something like that. All matter is chemicals. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all matter is chemicals, huh? Mm-hmm. That's curious. Yeah, because uh, I have a beef with people who are like, "Oh, it's chemical free." I'm like, "It's it's all chemicals. <sighs> it's all." Are you saying your cleaner is made of pure energy? Because <laughs> doesn't make sense (laughs) would that be effective though like a cleaner that is pure energy i mean i guess it depends on what you mean by effective i'm sure it would sterilize whatever you you were trying to but it might also burn a hole through uh your coffee table so maybe you know yeah yeah it also depends on if your surface is like conductive or not i guess you guys are saying pure energy, and I'm just thinking, like, you know, someone meditating, you know, maybe <laughs> practicing chaos magic or something I mean, like I that. think it is energy. So yeah. It's, you know. <laughs> like it's, a, it's vibes. Is vibes <laughs> energy? Is that... So vibes are not chemicals, and vibes are energy. Yes. I would say so. Yeah. I guess I, I've always imagined... Unless it's like a... Unless the vibe is, like, pheromone-based. That's fair. Then so it if might it's be fair, chemical. If it's pheromone-based, it's chemical... I've always imagined vibes to be like literally vibrations. So like yeah, 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 yeah. that would be like an energy and then right. it depends on what kind of vibrations it would be because like if it's like a sound wave then like that's that's energy but like it's like mm-hmm. a different kind or you could have vibrations like it. molecular vibrations and then like, that's IR fun. But sound energy <laughs> is not like a molecule. It's not no. matter, right? Correct. Okay, yes. Cool. cool. It's just like a different like, if you, like, look at how sound waves work versus, like, other forms of energy, mm-hmm. uh, it's, just, it's it's like, a different type. So, like, a lot of other types of energy are, like, photon-based. I think I'm more confused, but thank you for that explanation. <laughs> so. That makes sense. No, that makes sense. Yeah. I, I try to explain in a way that makes any sense, and then sometimes I just, like, dumb it down too much, because Ryan was asking me what a UV viz was, and I was like, oh, you put... A solution of something in there and then it tells you what color it is hmm. <laughs> which is true but also he's like i think there's some kindergartners out there who could do that for you <laughs> well actually no i think he said like three three-year-olds or i forget what he said he, no third graders he said third graders mm-hmm. and i was like you know third graders are like eight right like you could have gone younger <laughs> like you know like anyway <laughs> He's like, third graders, they're like three, right? And I'm like, no, Ryan, no. that's not how ages work. Um, they're baby geniuses. Yeah, I get 
I don't, I don't know any school that would put a three-year-old in a third grade class, though. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like that would be a recipe for disaster, even if it was a baby genius. Thank you for that information. Anyway, what, 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 what do you know about hallucinogens, which is our topic for today? Hmm. I know of a couple of categories of hallucinogens, like phenethylamines and uh, tryptamines. Mm-hmm. And uh, examples of tryptamines are things like psilocybin. What, mm-hmm. mushrooms and what lsd and then things like phenethylamines will be things more of related to the mdma family i think even though before the whole 2015 law against analogs and stuff some of those phenethylamines were comparatively stronger to like even something like lsd mm-hmm. yeah. yeah there's a lot of the analogs that are more dangerous and more yeah dangerous is a... <laughs> yeah yeah people there have been people that died from that stuff because mm-hmm. irresponsible yeah, I mean, yeah, I think it's just people, like, selling it that's the irresponsible ones, to be clear, like, because, like, I know there's, like, when I was in high school, it was, like, synthetic cannabinoids that were, like, big because they were legal versions of weed is what... I remember, yeah. And so many people died from the from that oh, because gosh. they were, you know, they're thinking, oh, you know, weed is relatively safe, it's not addictive, but, like, synthetic versions of these compounds are not the same, mm. you know, Um which, like, Delta, there's, like, the Delta 10 now and Delta 8. Um, those have also been, like, kind of questionable. But, like, I haven't heard anybody, like, straight up dying because of it. But, like, mm. um, they're probably contaminated with other <laughs> other substances because it's not regulated, right? Mm. So, um, but yeah, I didn't know about the synthetic versions of hallucinogens. Is that, when was that? You said 2015? Well, 2015's when that law came out to kind of prohibit those. Oh, right. Because all they were doing was just kind of changing things at like, a, I guess, a molecular level mm-hmm. so that it would just be a little bit different. So it kind of like loophole the law. At least that seems that seemed to have been the thinking. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. And then the law seemed to encompass that. Yeah. So do you guys think that like as a as a dealer, it's the dealer's responsibility to explain like what it is that they're dealing? Oh, that would be nice. I mean, because I mean, it's like if you buy anything, it's not up to the seller to explain to you how it works. Like if you buy a car, (sighs) the salesman doesn't have to teach you how to drive, right? Right. I mean, I think obviously it's it's like the seller. You can't like sue a seller for not telling you what's in your illegal substance, right? Right. Like you. So like, if anybody is going to use it, like my, you can't like call the police whenever your drug dealer doesn't give you enough drugs. Yeah, and <sighs> and so like that's part of what makes it dangerous, and like that's not on the drug dealer or the person buying the drugs. That's on a societal level. That's a problem. Right. right. Like if people are going to be buying these substances, there should be a way to get them that you know they're not adulterated. Yeah. Or at least that's been my thought on, like, how to reduce the risks of right. these kinds yeah, of things. Because, I, I mean, like, pe- I mean, it's ob- people are going to be doing drugs. That's that's yeah. obvious. So what's the way to do it safely? Like, that's my yeah. thought with anything. Like, if people are doing this thing, what's the way to make it safe? You right. know? And it's, so since it is still it illegal. Save lives. Exactly. And yeah. because they are still illegal, I would say, to a certain degree, there's some responsibility on the consumer and I would recommend people get, like, things like fentanyl test strips or, like, right. test strips for the substance you want to take and then test your sub- your substance and make sure it's what you think it is mm-hmm. because, you know, it, as much as you trust your dealer, like, do you trust 
where your, your dealer got dealer. it from. Yeah. Like, you know, like it, it's just so I think a lot of the responsibility falls on the person taking the drugs. Do I think that's unfortunately their responsibility is a different kind of question. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. but right now, who actually it's, needs it's, to do it? It's the person yeah. consuming them. Unfortunately, it's like a buyer beware. Exactly. Situation mm-hmm. as it is. And like, that's an issue with hallucinogens across the board, too, is that like the dose you're getting is very unclear, mm-hmm. right? Because that the way that they're distributed and, and the amounts that you are getting are so small, it's not like you can see them and see how much you're taking. Yeah. Like it's an amount dissolved and then put on a piece of paper often or something like that. And so you can't see the dose you're getting. So it's really... Yeah. I mean, it, it's just not a great a great yeah, system could, of... Right, because you can have four tabs of the same on the same sheet of paper and then you can each have a different dosage exactly and there's no way for i mean i guess there has to be a way to measure it but most people are not going to be able to measure it right i mean yeah i mean you just need the equipment to do it right and do they but have the equipment don't have access right right yeah i had a bad experience uh my first time with research chemical it was a 2ci or a 2ce mm-hmm. and uh my drug dealer kangaroo sexy at the time you know, he's like, hey, I'm well, sorry, if you... your your drug dealer's name was Kangaroo Sexy? Yeah, I knew him from church. <laughs> right? And I don't mean like Christian church. This is where like all the artists and burner type people would meet at a warehouse to build the effigies for the big regional burns where all the fucking psychedelic people come out and hang out and party and stuff and burn down the stuff. But that's where I met him, right? And uh, I wanted mushrooms because mushrooms had, I'd had a bit good experience with those. But uh, he didn't have that, so I got a research chemical off him in the, fi- in the form of a pill. Mm-hmm. And he says, if you take the pill, you wait two hours, you get 16, 18-hour trip. I'm like, oh, that's exciting. I got work in the morning, though, you know? Right. And so when he's like, well, you can insufflate it, and it'll, it'll half the time. But what he did not tell me, and I didn't find this out until I went home and had to find Google to find out what happened, uh, if you do insufflate, you need to half the dosage. Mm. So my first time, I did twice the recommended dosage. Insufflation, very, very, very painful. Which um, I actually don't know what that word means either. Oh, snort it. Oh, okay. Open up the pill and snort it. And then, like as soon as I did that, uh, mm-hmm. he laughed and was like, oh, he's gone. Because that's when the pain was like, my eyes went like red and everything. It was real, mm-hmm. real, real trip. <laughs> yeah. I made it to my car and spent most of the trip in the car. Some of it away from my body, even that was a, that was one of those really far out, very rare type of psychedelic experiences. Mm-hmm. Getting to that out of body stuff is uh, I haven't been able to do it as as like I did it then because that was like not a safe trip. But uh, I feel like I've got there kind of there before with them um, LSD and stuff like that, and that's mm-hmm. that's the stuff that is interesting to me. It's it's cool to with closed eye visuals and stuff that you can get while going into yourself and whatnot like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's one thing that um, I also find interesting about hallucinogens are these um, spiritual effects that a lot of people get on hallucinogens. And there's even, um, there was a, a book written called Inside the Neolithic Mind, which was written by some anthropologists, where they were saying that essentially there's evidence that hallucinogens are what started, kind of kick-started humans into doing artistic things and religious things. And I did not read the book um, itself, but basically the premise of the book is that naturally occurring hallucinogens, so things like psilocybin in, in psychoactive mushrooms, might be a catalyst for these like 
creative endeavors and things that humans have done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wasn't there a... There was like a big crisis or something because all the bread had this particular mold in it that was also a hallucinogen? Mm-hmm. Ergot, probably. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, exactly yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know the... Because the crisis you're talking about, like but the, well, I mean, it wasn't like I mean, it wasn't like a Black Plague situation. It was just like Salem witch the, trials. Yeah, yeah. It's suspected yeah. that ergot was ergot yeah. poisoning. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. At least with the Salem witch trials, for sure. I know that it's pretty unlikely that ergot was the cause of that. It's more likely that just like hysteria, hysteria, but like just like mass, more like mass suggestion of like. You know, they already believe that this is possible, right? And Mm -hmm. then there's, like, spooky things happening and and people being rebellious against a culture. And, like, that's... Women having opinions. Yeah. And, like... Yeah. So it's hard to blame an entire... This, that entire thing on Ergot. Maybe there were some moments of, like, some things that people saw that were the result of Ergot. But, like... Because, like, there's a lot of... But there is another theory, too, that, like, werewolves um, are probably from ergot and people <laughs> consuming ergot without knowing it and then they saw hairy people and or or dogs <laughs> or something and like there's that's another theory is that like that's where werewolf that. legends come from that. that's a, um that's i don't a cool know idea. again Seems a lot of like, these are like so ancient that like there's no like proof it's right. just like this is pro- possibly where this came from there's two things um with regards to the spiritual there's a, I know sometimes hallucinogens and things can, or often can be referred to as entheogens. Mm-hmm. You ever heard that? Yeah. It's basically like spiritual activating type stuff. And another thing, uh, the theory you were talking about, it sounded like stoned ape theory. You ever hear people talk about that? The what? Stoned ape theory. It sounds familiar, or, but. Well, the thing is, what's kind of curious about stoned ape theory is, you know, talking about like mushrooms and mm-hmm. how they could have played a role in the evolution of like what our brains growing so fast and whatnot. But uh, the idea that mushrooms can exist in a vacuum. So there's uh, panspermia, the idea that some of the mushrooms we may have here are from outer space. Hmm. So you kind of like put hand in hand together, like panspermia and stoned ape theory. And it's like, well, like was intelligence seeded on this planet by alien spores? <laughs> are mushrooms like a type of intelligence we haven't tapped into yet? That's some really like stone type shit. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is interesting. Um one thing about mushrooms that always kind of freak me out is that knowing they're actually genetically closer to animals than they are plants. That's a curious thing, yeah. Right? Like so like if you look if you look at the like the genetic tree, so mushrooms are not vegan. Mushrooms might not be vegan. Oh, uh, they don't have a nervous system though. I think that's the main thing you're looking for. So okay, so well, right. But so how how is your feeling about like what is it mollusks, right? Mm-hmm. That are Yeah. That yeah, are technically I'm, vegan cuz they don't have a nervous system, but it is a living thing. Yeah, I would don't know. You eat I them? think I would not, you know, because I think it's still because it's alive. It doesn't have a face. It doesn't have a face. That's never been a factor for me. But you would definitely eat something with a face, is what you're saying. I would, dude. Before, like, I wanted to eat everything on the planet. You know what I mean? I was like, if there's a, I, I wanted to have it all. You know? Would you eat human? I probably would have. What they call that yeah. long pig? You know? Long pig. <laughs> but uh, Lord. <laughs> No, with with mollusks and stuff like that, I, I'm, I'm not sure what the, the I'm not sure that's what all, the deal is with their here. nervous system. Uh, but I, I do see this being a topic amongst vegans, and some some agree that right. they're okay with it, and some are not. 
I happen to be of the ones that are not because I'm just no interest in it, really. Malas, mm-hmm. yeah, no thank you. All Seems right. like they're, they're, have... they respond to stimuli, but then, I don't know, then you got like plants, lives, matters, people coming in with stuff like that. Right. Okay, I have, I have since we're already derailing, I have another question. <laughs> How do you feel about honey as a vegan? Uh, yeah, no, that's not vegan. You don't think yeah. that's vegan? Yeah, mm. a lot of a lot of bee farmers will end up uh, culling their their hives instead of overwintering them because mm. it's more affordable. Gotcha. Yeah. So, yeah, I do think you have to be selective of where you get your honey. Yeah. Um, that's definitely true. And that because when I was um, more vegan, I I don't know if I was ever truly vegan because like I didn't know all the things that were and were and were not vegan to a certain degree because there's like like honey and things that are you don't think about being yeah, not certain, vegan certain sugars right and certain sugars and like but anyway i do think it's interesting though with bees specifically is because like to a certain degree they kind of consent to being kept if you're doing it ethically because mm-hmm. if your bee if your beehive is not well taken care of the bees will fly off they, they literally will leave you so like obviously overwintering versus culling your bees like that's not okay but it's like having a it's like having a cat Right? That's what you... Yeah, that's kind of how I describe it. Because, like, if your cat doesn't like you, they will leave. Right? Like, cats are not going to just chill. They're not going to hang out. They're not going to hang out. Like, if... if, Yeah. I just seen recently that honey is, like, basically the equivalent of, like, table sugar. There's not much difference Mm -hmm. between it. That's true. Mm -hmm. Nutritionally, right. But I I do think, like... um, Because the reason I buy honey is I buy honey from local farmers to help... Like with allergies because of the pollen and stuff. That's what it's I supposed was, I to was help. about that too, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's... I mean, I feel like it does, but I also do take allergy medicine every day. So it's kind of, Yeah, you know. I'm always on allergy medicine. <laughs> yeah, so my, my allergist said that it doesn't help with allergies no. at all. But it was really funny because he was like, oh, hey, you know, have you gone to the local farmer's market? Have you gotten any local honey? And I was like, oh, you know, no, I haven't yet. You know, I just haven't been to the farmer's market yet mm-hmm. or whatever. And I'm like, oh, will that help with my allergies? And he was like, no, I just really like the local honey. <laughs> He's like, no, I just think it's good. And it's good. Placebo is a real thing. Yeah, you know right. I, mean? so you could, I just thought yeah. it was so cute. I was like, oh, are you trying to give me like allergy advice? Because I'm like newly diagnosed with allergies. And he's like, no, uh, I just like the honey. No, I just think it's good. Um, it was just cute. He was a cute guy. That's funny. <laughs> but I do the same, like, because I, I get my eggs. Most of the time I get my eggs from like a local place. And I've been out like to the, I guess it's a farm, but it's also just like somebody's house and they have a shit ton of land. I mean, a bunch of land. That sounds, um, that sounds very similar to what a farm is. <laughs> right, but it's not like, they don't have like a barn and stuff. Like, it doesn't look like a farm. It's huh. just somebody's like... Just an uh, open yard? It's like a mobile home, but it's not, you know, obviously it's not mobile anymore. But it's like, an, it's just a big open yard. And they have like goats and stuff. So I feel good getting my eggs from there because I see the chickens and I see what condition they're in. And they're all like healthy and they're not like missing feathers. They're not huge. They're just like, you know... Mm-hmm. They seem like real chickens that haven't been pumped full of stuff. It is like, and it's not cruel, like, I mean, it is kind of cruel labor wise because it is one Filipino lady who does most of the work. Hmm. Um, But I tip her, so I don't know. I don't know what that makes me. Um, I'm helping her, I feel. Giving her business, you know? Mm -hmm. Hell yeah. (laughs) Anyway, back to topics. I'll cut that out. It's unrelated. Okay. (laughs) I'm just going to. No, you're fine. I'm just like trying to keep us on track. <laughs> but yeah, so 
There are uh, five criteria for classifying a drug as a hallucinogenic um, substance. So basically, in proportion to other effects, um, the changes in thought, perception, and mood should predominate is, the, is one of the first things. So like, you know, it's not just about like being a stimulant or a depressant, right? You're not just like more awake or more tired or, you know, the, it's more about changing your perceptions and things like that. So um, intellectual or memory impairment should be minimal. So you should be still be able to like think and realize like what's in general kind of know what's real and not real essentially and like still kind of understand what's going on around you and it shouldn't cause like memory loss in general. Imagine if it did. Oh my god, who am who am I? <laughs> I mean, you can you could have like an existential type thing, you know, with identity and whatnot. Yeah, but you can still like you're still thinking about it, right? Like you're still like kind of getting what's going on, mm-hmm. or at least that's my understanding. And then a lot of those, like, we'll get into, like, the multiple classes of, there's four classes of hallucinogens. Like, the most common one is, like, the most mild, and then there's a couple other classes that are more, more serious, more addictive, more, have, have different qualities, um, that are a little more dangerous. So, but stupor, narcosis, or excessive stimulation should not be an integral effect. So, like, that's not, like, the purpose of the drug. Um. What is that? So... Like stupor, stupor is like kind of the same ideas of like intellectual or memory impairment. So okay. like you're not like, like a stupor is like. I can kind of understand stupor now. I think it came yeah. together as almost one word at first. What was the rest of it? So narcosis. So like a narcotic, it's not going to act like a narcotic. Okay. So it's not like a pain reliever and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, or an opioid um, or excessive stimulation. So like an effect like cocaine. So you shouldn't be like super, a lot of energy, a lot of like artificial energy you shouldn't be awake for days on um classic hallucinogens Uh, yeah and then autonomic nervous system side effects should be minimal so that's talking about like your unconscious things that your brain does so like heart rate your temp like regulating your temperature and like your intestines intestinal gastrointestinal system should be minimal Mm -hmm. um they do have some effects depending on what drug you're taking because like you know, your neurotransmitters are doing all kinds of stuff, right, in your body, so. So, um, is, is ayahuasca considered a hallucinogen, like, in, in this, one of these classes? Yes. Okay. So, I've heard often that people throw up, like, mm-hmm. a lot mm-hmm. on ayahuasca and also on mushrooms. Is that part of, like, is that because of your perception or is it, like, a physical thing happening in your body? Um, Do you know what I mean? Like, Yeah. Is it, like, just because... Is it just because you feel like you're like mm-hmm. just like disorientation yeah. causing yeah. nausea? So nausea is a side effect often of hallucinogens. Right. Part of it is like dose. So if you took like a lot, mm-hmm. you're more likely to have nausea. So like it's it is an effect because like all of these systems, all of this, all of these um, drugs work on your serotonin system, mm-hmm. and so your serotonin system. There's a lot of serotonin regulation in your. Um, gastrointestinal tract as well i did not so like that's why like cannabis also affects your gastrointestinal tract right is that a fact yeah i've heard this before (laughs) yeah yeah so like that's why there's even a greater amount in your gut of what neurotransmitters and things of that nature i don't think it's all neurotransmitters i think it might just be serotonin Serotonin. okay i could be wrong on that um but i know there is a lot of serotonin because like that's also why there's a lot of like other kinds of drugs that will affect your like um like SSRIs have gastrointestinal side effects. Right. Th- that's why, because it's mm. it's serotonin specifically that it's messing with, and that's why too. Like with things like cannabis, 
you know, you, you often have like a relief of nausea usually, but if you, there's some people where you end up getting the opposite effect and you have hyperemesis, which is where you're throwing up constantly. So, um, and that's pretty rare. You don't usually get that side effect. And my understanding is at least with cannabis, you have to, again, it's all dose dependent too. So if you take a lot of, if you smoke a lot of cannabis, you can get really, really nauseous and start throwing up. And like, so there's some people that can't smoke cannabis anymore because they develop this disorder and so when they take it then they'll they'll just start vomiting poor people yeah um but and that's actually kind of gets me into another thing is that like cannabis is often counted in hallucinogens it's weird yeah so like you wouldn't think of it as a psychedelic like in the in the like in the definition of the word Mm -hmm. you know mind manifesting or anything but it does like a lot of its primary um, things are affecting your mood, right? So your um, and your perception. So like if you are smoking weed, like your perception of time, especially, like you can stand like they, they've done studies and things where like if you have someone who is high on weed and you like have them close their eyes and then open their eyes and like look up when they think thirty seconds is over there'll be people who like stand there for like 10 minutes like 15 minutes like they their perception of time is like gone (laughs) so like it does it's very mild but it does affect your perception Uh in a lot of ways and so like but you could also put it in depressants and stimulants and like you know it's got a lot of little that's what i would say like maybe just in my experience it seems like i wouldn't want to call it a depressant but it does seem like it's a like a thing to wind down you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so but yeah that that's some people will put it because the other things are like, you know, it's not very addictive. So like one of the things that classifies something as a hallucinogen is that addictive cravings shouldn't be present. So like for all for classic hallucinogens, which are are also they're also called psychedelics. So if you hear, hear something called a psychedelic, they're also considered a classic hallucinogen. Hmm. That's about 86 percent of compounds that are in this category fall under that. And they're not very addictive. And that's things like LSD, psilocybin. Uh, mescaline, DMT, which is also ayahuasca. Mescaline is also called peyote. Mm -hmm. And then um, sometimes, again, like cannabis is put in this category. So they're all, these, all of these compounds are not considered physically addictive. Kind of strange that cannabis would be put in that category compared Mm -hmm. to its other ones. Well, like, because what dimethyltryptamine is in the ayahuasca brew that they make. And Mm -hmm. then I get mescaline is in peyote, the cactus. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What about ibogaine? Ibogaine? You know anything about that? I think it became most famous because Hunter S. Thompson wrote this shit about, I don't remember Mm. what president, but he wrote this story about how the president had like an Ibogaine addiction. He was hiding from everybody, which was completely false. It was just his way of kind of slandering the president at the time. That's what I remember. Oh, right. Ibogaine, uh, that's one of the, it's it's a plant type medicine Mm -hmm. and uh, where they use it in their like the culture is where they're from. It's like the plant that they use to communicate with the dead. It's very much involved with their uh, whole spiritual afterlife kind of stuff going on. Oh, okay. Yeah. I did not include this on the list, but yeah, it definitely would be in this category, I think. Yeah, it's considered a psychedelic. Yeah. So I know it's yeah. from Africa mm-hmm. and like mostly used for communicating with the dead. Yeah. That type of thing. Yeah, I did not go really into this one because I was just trying to... It's not as popular. Yeah. I've never done it, but like you were naming off some psychedelics. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, let's see if we can get this one by you. Yeah, no, I yeah. had not heard of that one. Um, I did... Um, the tribe name came up when I was Googling about the 
um, like naturally occurring in like the spiritual practices because um, this tribe, let me see, where was the name? Uh, Buiti tribe of uh, Gabon uh, in, in Africa is, is the one that comes up as, as the ones that use this in their religious ceremonies. And I didn't really like super go into that one. I had read, this is actually where I put the book down. So I was reading uh, Graham Hancock's Supernatural, which is like, you know, accounts with the ancient teachers of mankind. Mm-hmm. Basically, like the history of use of psychedelics in, in culture and how it, correlations actually between like UFO abductee experiences and mm-hmm. people with their psychedelic experiences. But uh, one thing that really tripped me out, dude, is uh, some of these tribes or whatever, the witch doctors or the medicine men, the shamans, what have you, mm-hmm. they would have relations with spiritual entities you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and sometimes they would end up having side families away from their material family they would have another family inside the spirit realm as well and sometimes it would make their real life their real lives like real mad Hmm. yeah all right it really cracked me up dude i was like (laughs) oh my god what I I never finished reading that book, though. So did we already discuss here who has and has not done hallucinogens? No. Do we need to say that? I think I have not. You have not. uh, I have not either. I'm just, this is what, speculative. You've never done drugs. (laughs) What are we having? Didn't you already tell the story of getting high in your car? Uh, Is this this an intervention? No, No. it's not. (laughs) Dear Derek, um, (laughs) your drug use has negatively impacted me in the following ways. (laughs) You scared my dog that one time you were... No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, mushrooms, right? So uh, for me, it was my 24th birthday. 8,723 or, or 66 is, you know, your 24th birthday. But the eve before, I had maybe just like uh, 3.5, like an eighth of mushrooms. That was my first time. And why psychedelics have still stayed close to my heart and why I think they're good is because it kind of taught me a lot about self-love at that time where I really needed it. Mm-hmm. And so I've, that's why I've been a kind of an advocate for psychedelics and uh, excited to see with it where they've been gone mm-hmm. with uh, there's the multidisciplinary association of psychedelic studies, you know, maps. Mm-hmm. And they've got guys like uh, Rick Doblin, maybe. Anyhow, yeah, they're just uh, trying to reintegrate psychedelics into academia and medicine mm-hmm. after the damage that was done in the 70s by guys like Leary, you know, mm-hmm. just kind of gave yeah, psychedelics a-, a bad rap. Yeah, there's a lot of um, like societal stigma with with psychedelics, especially because of like beat movement, the beatnik movement. Um, that really like made made it made it made it a schedule one drug, you right. know, which makes it hard to study it. But it's really coming back around, um, which is part of what I wanted to talk about too, because like um, you know, there's things like ketamine um, therapy now, and like seems to be really popular, and that's mm-hmm. also. Uh, and that's why I've asked. I've asked some people that have done it, and I'm always real curious. I'm like, is it intramuscular? Because, like, to produce Mm-mm. a psychoactive, it's it's intramuscular. So th- they're doing it differently? My understanding is it's a nasal spray. Huh. Or at least I, there's, so there is I'm at least a nasal like, spray. I'm wondering if it's, like, really doing, like, the full thing. Because, like, with, with it to be, like, the profound entering into a new realm of existence type mm-hmm. of experience, like, intramuscular. I remember there – I can't remember the psychedelic speaker, but there was a point in his career – or any time anyone would ask him, like, you know, for a solution, his solution was always the amount. I don't remember what it was. The mm-hmm. amount and intramuscular hmm. of ketamine. 
Okay. And, and that would that was his answer to things. Hmm. I, I used to listen to when I first got into like psychedelic shortly after I had that trip or whatever, researching and listening to guys like Timothy Leary. I don't know if you have ever listened to a lot of interviews with him. Mm-mm. He's really funny. Really mm-hmm. kind of made me very made, personable, right? Uh he is it's yeah, he's he's got a real sense of humor on him. He made me laugh quite a bit. Um one of the uh early things I remember listening to him was his uh, talking about imprinting and okay. about how like a an example how a, a, like if you raise a duck, you know, you mm-hmm. can imprint on the duck as its mother and stuff like that and how psychedelics can be used for kind of a revealing that imprint on somebody showing how you, you are subject to certain conditions and by that awareness you're able to like change yourself to some degree hmm. i mean yes and no so like there there's a lot of like psychology people that kind of think about things like that like that you're able to like kind of reprogram people's minds with psychedelics because like again if you want to hear more about that you should go listen to the robert evans podcast because behind the bastards because they did a whole deep dive on people using lsd specifically and when i say people i also mean the cia yeah they used (laughs) to dose people they used to dose each other okay like they were like randomly dosing each other all the time and other people but like each other they were like hey can we like just slip some lsd in your coffee on a random tuesday morning that was the guy was like sure that's happened around the same time as ken kesey and the merry pranksters and i think wasn't kesey somehow involved with the cia i'm not sure about that so anybody who had lsd early got it from the cia because or almost everyone because the the cia bought up the world supply of it when it was made like it was (laughs) like like, like this stuff (laughs) early days because like um yeah again i didn't really want to talk about this whole thing because like it is kind of again i don't want to copy someone else's podcast because like and also um but yeah it was it was a wild story it's like a four-part podcast where they're talking about the history of LSD, like, and making of LSD. Hmm. Um, one thing I did find out about LSD that I think is interesting, and I, I could not find an answer to this, is the guy who originally synthesized LSD, his last name was Hoffman. He yeah. was... Um, Albert Hoffman. Al- Albert Hoffman. Bicycle Day, April 19th. I don't know anything about Bicycle Day. What's Bicycle Day? That's the day. He uh, took some, and then it started coming on, so he got on his bike and rode his bike home. On the first... He's the first person to ever try acid, and he's the guy who... Did it albert hoffman oh okay i didn't Bi- know that was called bicycle day April i didn't 19th, know i didn't yeah. know that story where he he was just like he took it and then he was like taking notes too and like he like took notes a little bit and then and then he could not take notes anymore <laughs> so it's like 419 is bicycle acid day. day yeah <laughs> and then 420 is weed day <laughs> they should put them all just like together you know you say day i'm like it's, it's that time of day right now dude <laughs> we're 19 somewhere yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, God. Um, (laughs) But yeah, but the thing that I thought is interesting as a chemist, because this is still a chemistry podcast, Uh um, Hoffman, there's a a August Hoffman who is like a famous chemist, like a very famous chemist. Like there are reactions that we learn about named after Hoffman. And I was like, is this Hoffman related to the other Hoffman? Mm -hmm. Or is this like a completely different guy? And I cannot find the answer to that. But what are the odds of two Hoffmans? Because like, I looked at, like, the years they were born and, and died, mm-hmm. and it basically it lines up that the Albert Hoffman could be Aug- the famous August Host- Hofton's grandson. Like, the timeline would work out, like, for huh. him. And Hoffman had 11 kids, but I can't find any of their names to even see if they had a kid named Albert. Jeez. So, but of course, like, I didn't, like, go do extensive, like, geo- gene- genealogic research because I was, like... 
I just like put that together earlier. I was like, wait a second, is that the same Hoffman? And then I Googled it and I'm like, it's not the same Hoffman, but they might be related. I don't uh-huh. know. Because um, I was like, what are the odds of two Hoffman chemists like that? You know what I mean? I don't mm-hmm. know. Like that's not like a super common last name. So I was just like, wow, <laughs> I wonder if they're related. I don't know if they are or not, but coincidence. <laughs> like any chemist listening to this is like oh the hoffman elimination the hoffman rearrangement (laughs) anywho we were on we were on albert hoffman yeah i was just saying like that's really all i have on albert hoffman just Uh that he he is the one who um made lsd for the first time from the derivative of of a plant yeah and he was the first one to take it and he's he's he was very pro lsd too he was very much like he thought it would be really good to treat mental illnesses and i i think it's worth exploring um, and it's very, like, you know, the whole point of this is just, like, that it's very under-researched because of the stigma and the class, that it's a class one drug. I mean, which is ridiculous because, again, they're, they're low, they're low addictivity. Like, it's very hard to be addictive to classically, classic hallucinogens and cannabis. Like, it's, they're kind of in the same category in that right. sense. But it's, it's like you can't be chemically addicted to it, but you can be, like, I would say, like, mentally. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean that, but that's the case of a lot of substances, right? Like right. so. Well, but um, like things like, things like heroin, things like alcohol, you are chemically addicted. Right. So you will actually get withdrawals right. if you don't take those substances. Right. right? You're not going to get that with, with with acid or weed or yeah, um, things like that. Now, some psychedelics do have some long-term side effects that are possible. So the two that are most noted for like long-term. And to be clear, there's also like no real lethal dose of pretty much any of the compounds I've mentioned so far. Well, maybe not the synthetic ones, but like the, you know, LSD, mescaline, psilocybin, there's not like a lethal dose. So you can't give someone enough of it that it would kill them, but it can hurt them in their mind, right? So the one thing is like persistent psychosis. So that's a series of continuing mental problems. So you can continue to have visual disturbances, disorganized thinking, paranoia or mood changes um, because you've taken hallucinogens. And then there's also what's called hallucinogen persisting perception disorder. So that's reoccurrences of like certain drug experiences such as hallucinations or other visual disturbances. That's like flashbacks. It is flashback. These flashbacks often happen without warning and may occur a few days or more than a year after the drug use. So... Um, these symptoms are sometimes mistaken for other disorders, um, such as strokes or brain tumors. So, like, some people are like, oh, my God. Because, like, because the delay can be so long, you're like, oh, my God, I'm having a stroke. Something's going on. <laughs> but sometimes it's just like you're just having a flashback. Huh. And the mechanism for how those occur is not super clear. I know with, like, the persistent psychosis, that is often uh, – or really both of these are more common in people that have – um, pre-existing mental health conditions that can like cause hallucination hallucinations so like schizophrenia. schizophrenia there's a lot of i think it was like a quarter of these um cases end up being reclassified as schizophrenia later so if you have family history of schizophrenia you really should not take hallucinogens because it can trigger trigger Yikes. it in you yeah i think i've heard of that happening yeah, yeah. so um because like scary yeah you can have family history and never develop schizophrenia so like but you know knowing your risk means you should probably not take this classification of drugs yeah so 
I think that's, I mean, that's kind of part of the stigma, too. It's like, if you do these drugs, you will go insane. You'll become right. schizophrenic. Yeah, even it's but not that's really, not true. Right. Yeah. It's I, like, you might be prone to lung cancer, but if you never smoke cigarettes, you might be okay. Right, exactly. Because, like, you know, a lot of people think, like, oh, well, your family had this in their medical history. You're going to get it. And, mm-hmm. like, there's a lot of other factors that trigger these kinds of things in people. Right. Right. So, um, like, lung cancer other things you know because like and we've talked about cases of like other kind of cancers on here like reproductive cancers and then they get exposed to x-rays right right and that just you know they're more prone to cancer already so was it the x-rays or was it their genetic predisposition yeah so a little column a little column b exactly that's my thing is like it's it's usually both you're right. you know if you're already prone to this then you should really avoid things that might cause it right right that that's and so that's part of you know part of what we were talking about before of like you know, who, who is it on to test the drugs and make sure the drugs are okay? Well, it's falling on you because there's no one else looking out for you right now. Right. Yeah, you know, precisely. and so, like, if you are prone to this, you know, don't take it because no one else is telling you not to. But please don't. You know, it's not going to be good yeah. for you. Well, and that's part of, I would think that's kind of part of, like, a uh, set and setting, which is kind of the... Yeah, you'd have to know <laughs> yeah. that you're setting if, if you have a predisposition for schizophrenia. Right. Then, yeah. Yeah, and set and Beware. setting is, like, you know, you that that's the idea that you um where you are when you take the drugs and mentally and physically right, right. affect how, what kind of trip you have whether yeah. that's a good or a bad trip and that's why a lot of these studies so far in taking these hallucinogens for medical purposes are usually in therapeutic settings mm-hmm. that way you have the right set setting that you can start addressing these things that are depressant depression anxiety um ocd there's been a lot of studies. There was one study that I thought was really interesting where they took patients that were terminally ill and had a lot of anxiety about dying, which is right. understandable, mm-hmm. and they gave them um, psilocybin, mushroom, the active ingredient in mushrooms, in a therapeutic setting and allowed them to like go through that and they had therapists there to like help them through it. And a lot of them came out the other side with a lot more peace about their situation. Right. Like they had a all basically all the participants had a decrease in their anxiety about death trying to remember the name of the first university to do that there's more than one now i mean i've kind of like but i remember there was a first one that was probably more on the side the east side of the u.s but i know times in the past that i've done it it's always like i've always kind of set a goal i guess for myself Mm -hmm. um i mean not like in a in a sense that like if i don't achieve this goal then this will have been a bad trip but i always kind of just prepare myself mentally for what I am looking to get out of it. That way I can have a, I can kind of steer myself that way while I'm still like sober. Mm -hmm. And then I can kind of like, I think of it like I can go over those tracks in my mind Mm -hmm. in a more positive way. Yeah. So like the, it's helped me with like my uh, self-image issues, like my, Mm -hmm. just like weight gain and stuff. It's something I've always had a really big problem with. So when I do, uh, when I have done acid in the past, I've always been like, I just want to come out of this loving myself more and not being as critical about my weight because that's like the big, that's been something that I haven't been able to achieve just doing talk therapy. Right. Yeah. Cause that's, and that's one thing that um, has been cited as like the reason that these are so effective is that like even talking, you know, talking about these issues sober, like your mind is still stuck yeah there's like a certain level of being stuck right and so like i i have ptsd i don't know if i've ever talked about that on this podcast before but like 
there's new studies of of ketamine therapy and these things to keep people out of OC or out of PTSD kind of situations because their brain is stuck right. in, in a hyper state, right? Mm-hmm. And so like, but any any thought that's like stuck in your head like that, any intrusive thought, these drugs help can help. Um, you know, expand your, what people say is expand your mind. Like that's right, exactly right. what we want. We want them to like you to stop thinking in the same pattern because if you get your brain out of the pattern, hopefully your brain won't fall back into it once yeah. you're done, mm. once you're out of it. And then, you know, the therapy setting and like like your setting, you know, you set yourself up, but in the therapy setting, it could be extra yeah. helpful, yeah. right? You have a professional there who can really make sure you're set up and ready to like yeah. work through these thoughts that yeah. you've been stuck on. Especially if you don't like, especially for people that don't have any background, like ha- haven't had therapy before mm-hmm. and haven't been because like i i went to school for psychology and i've i did therapy um for a couple years and i was i've always been around like mental health so like i know the spiel right like i understand what it is i'm supposed to do mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean i apply it all the time but it does help for me to like understand like okay this is what's going to happen to me when i'm under the influence of this uh hallucinogen mm-hmm. and i know that i can use tools that i like, I know how to use these tools, and I, this is a situation where I can use them, and I'll be more open to it. Because I'm kind of a – I'm not, like, a skeptic, but I'm I, I'm real cynical about stuff. Like, right. Because they say, like, if you have, have, like, self-image issues, you should look in the mirror every day and, like, tell you tell yourself good things about yourself. And mm-hmm. I just can't, like – I cannot – I can't do that. Yeah. But I can when I'm, like – when I'm on acid. I yeah. can do that. I feel you there. It, I was, I'm, it, helps, like, it helps loosen a way that kind of – I don't know, I guess because I think it's really corny. I understand it works, and I know that I should do it. And I don't think it's corny when other people do it, just the thought of myself doing it. I'm just like, what are you doing? Like, I just, it, I'm just you like, feel this embarrassed. is gay. I don't want to do it. Yeah, you I feel, feel embarrassed. I feel embarrassed <laughs> alone by myself. Uh, but I, it, it goes away when I'm when I'm on acid. I can do it, and it, it like, it really did help me with my, just because I don't hate myself anymore, you know? Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Some self-love, that's what's yeah. been beneficial to me as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. That's why I often find myself wanting to go back there because self-love is still an issue I have with myself. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's not like, I mean, I love my personality. I think I'm great. I think I'm funny. <laughs> I'm a good person. It's just like physically, you know, I have just, I'm just a woman in this world. And, you know, be, I've been fat shamed my whole life. Uh, and I've been fat my whole life. So I'm kind of like trying to be more accepting of the fact that sometimes I'm going to gain weight and sometimes I'm going to lose it. And I don't really have as much control as I would like over that. But mm-hmm. I'm still worthy as a person. Mm-hmm. But I can't do that with a straight face. Like, right. my therapist would tell me, she's like, you're not going to do that, are you? I was like, I am absolutely not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I know that it works. I know I should do it, but I am 100% not going to do that. Thank you, though. Yeah, I'm I'm half decent at, you know, doing those affirmations, being like, yes, I'm great, I'm smart, I'm funny, all those things. Um, but as soon as something goes, like, really wrong, like, you know, yeah. and I'm, like, already on right. my edge, I'm like, I'm an idiot. <laughs> I hate myself so much. Yeah. And then I, like, take a deep breath, and I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, that's, like, that's that's super me when I, <laughs> when I like, drink too much and I start throwing up. I get really, really negative. Oh. I'm just like, you're the dumbest person alive. You've been drinking for how long and you still don't know when to stop, you idiot. You fucking moron. Just, mm. it's pretty bad. And then I wake up and I'm like, I should be nicer to me. Um, you know, we were really excited and then we went a little too far, but it's okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's the problem I think a lot with alcohol too. Is like if you do go too far, you're 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 in a bad place again. Yeah, like yeah. you know, like at least that's been my experience with drinking. Because again, mental health. We're talking about mental health on this one, right. so <sighs> little reveal. You know, like um, you know, with my PTSD, like you know, you you drink to like relax a little bit, but then once you drink too much, you're in a panic. Yeah, right. Like it, it's it, yeah, you, it does not help. Like if anybody is listening to this and you're thinking about using alcohol as your relaxer it is not helpful not, please no. don't do it it's so bad uh, it just doesn't help like i mean it, it just yeah, yeah. I, I watched this movie like shortly after my dad passed away i was like drunk and i had been watching a lot of like horror movies and stuff so i decided to watch this movie called girl i think mm-hmm. um or the girl it's got like mickey rourke in it and basically the premise of the movie which i didn't realize before i started watching it and i should not have watched that movie because i like I cried so hard. I was just like sitting in the bathroom crying on the floor about my dad because the movie is that like this whole her whole life this girl uh this girl's mom told her all these negative things about her dad and her dad hates her and her dad never wanted to see her. And the whole time the dad was just like saving money and like writing her letters and like really really loved her. Oh. But she like when she finds him cuz she wants to kill him. Mm-hmm. Because he her mom said that she was hor- he was horribly abusive to her and that uh, he threatened to kill her unless she gave him this money, blah, blah, blah. But it turns out it was like the exact opposite. Mm. So she goes to this, to where he lives and she finds him dead. And then she finds out the whole time he was actually like, he wanted to be a good father. And it broke me. Because that's like, I mean, my mom never said anything bad about my dad, but it was like, my dad just wanted to have enough money to take care of us and he just never did mm-hmm. it just like I, that movie ruined me and i was drunk and it did not like i should not have been drunk watching that movie right in in that time period yeah, especially in that time right. period it like it was i i'm like scarred from that movie if i even oh. just like see the image of it i just like i'm like suck it in suck it in it's fine <laughs> but it was not it was not fine so yeah i would agree like alcohol is not the best thing to do if you're in a bad place mentally it's like literally the worst thing you could do yeah absolutely to share what i did i actually used a lot of media to cope but like the other way so i watched a lot of kids shows um so i watched a lot of steven universe (laughs) and like that that little song that's like take a moment to think of just flexibility love and trust i'd like be in my car like singing that like playing and singing that little song to like keep myself calm i was like yeah (laughs) it kind of worked yeah it kind of worked um yeah that's the other thing too is like whenever um like the first time i tripped i put um bob's burgers on because mm-hmm. it was familiar to me oh, i love bob's burgers um and i was like i need to watch something that i that's familiar to me so i feel like if i if i start spinning i can find comfort in this thing that's familiar to me mm-hmm. and it's the reason we listened to the kind of music that we did the last time is because that music is familiar to me and i can ground myself in that familiarity mm-hmm. so i don't like because I have a really hard, I actually do have a really hard time with hallucinogens just coming up. Mm. Like once I'm once I'm in it, once I'm there, I'm fine. But the coming up process is always like it it gives me a lot of anxiety, and I have to remind myself like like I just have to have things that come for me, right? Because uh-huh. I because I am very high prone to anxiety, and I could have like I have a very high potential for having a horrible horrible trip mm-hmm. if I if I let that part like control the situation. Right. So you need something comforting to make yeah. sure you're not going to get to that spot. Yeah. yeah. So that's another thing that that's like the set and setting thing that we're always talking about. That's mm-hmm. I would highly recommend if you're going to do 
drugs. Also, have someone Leary to yeah. watch you, right? Yeah, like a, a sitter. sitter. A yeah. sitter. Make sure you have a sitter. Someone you actually trust, not just, not just a random person. Not the guy who sold you the drugs. Unless, <laughs> I mean, unless the guy who gave you the drugs is like your friend. Oh. No, even then, don't do it. Don't do it. I'm sorry, but that's not the person to watch you. I mean, Derek was there when I <laughs> the second time. Well, okay. but you did. I think I did because I did half a time, and Kelsey was there, and she did a whole tab. But Kelsey is very like. Was there someone grounded. sober? No. Yeah, and that's I did, that. You need a sober. I mean, person it was fine. Your sitter. I was okay. I also I had didn't done it before, really exercise like the authority that would have been me. better to like. Because we ended up going out, maybe that wasn't the best idea. No, that was a horrible idea. Yeah, that was terrifying. <laughs> if I was a sitter, then I would have been like, actually, this is what we're doing. See, blah blah See? blah blah. Yeah, you, know what I mean? you need a sober, assertive sitter. Right, yeah. <laughs> but we like because we had we were going to stay in someone's apartment, and then right after we took the drugs, they were like, "Let's leave," and I was like, "No." <laughs> No, no, no. <laughs> they, like, wanted to go out and eat. I was like, I cannot process the thought of food right now, okay? I can't chew. You want to do what? I have a funny hallucinogen story that someone told me once. Um, I won't say who it's from because um, they didn't give me permission to tell this story. So I'm sorry if you listen to this. and But hopefully you get a laugh out of it that your story is on a podcast. <laughs> but my friend was in high school and took was eating mushrooms. There was two of them and they just go to church on a Wednesday night because that's what you do in Tennessee. You go to church on a Wednesday night. My one friend was, had never been to this church before. So, but they're both there. And then the other friend, anyway, well, so first he comes in there he has to use the restroom. He goes to the restroom. He is trying to eat the rest of his illegal substance in the bathroom. (laughs) And then the other friend who brought him to the church, who is a regular member of this church, told the youth pastor to go in and introduce himself to the friend that was in the bathroom. So he's trying to eat this very quietly. Just FYI, I was like friends with like the bad kids in high school. I was the good, mm-hmm. good kid among bad kids. Like <laughs> I didn't ever do anything, but like they, that's who my friends were. Um, <laughs> I was the sitter. I was the sitter most <sighs> of the time. Anyway, high school was a wild time. When there's nothing to do, people do drugs. Um, anyway, uh, so he's in the bathroom. He's trying to quietly eat this this substance out of a plastic bag. So it's like crinkling. <laughs> the youth pastor comes in there and he's like, hey, how you doing, son? Nice to meet you, blah, blah, blah. And the guys and the guys in the bathroom stall just like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> he thought someone was talking. He's like, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do this in your house. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> he was that, so paranoid. That would be horrifying. <laughs> Yeah, I think the first time I did it, it was, like, right after Jared passed away. Uh, And I have, like, I have this poster. And I used to be able to see it a little better because we had a shorter uh, bookshelf. I have this poster um, with him on it. mm -hmm. And that was kind of, like, I was a little scared. Like, just, like, ghosty-wise. Like, me and Jared weren't really that close. haunting you? There was part of me that I was, like, I don't know. I I was very, like, I was a firm believer in ghosts at the time (laughs) and i was like i don't know why he would haunt me but i feel like he is but then i just like then i just started to feel like warm and and you know love and acceptance and i was like well maybe that's jared instead and the scary thing that i thought was happening to me he he was haunting you but he was like calm down yeah he was like you need to relax we're good (laughs) he's like don't have a bad trip because he was like he was a nice guy and he would he would comfort you if you were having you know a rough time 
Um, and for the listeners, like, who is Jared? Jared, um, Jared Harper was, uh, one of, the, of our comedians, and he was also, like, a local service industry guy, so. Mm-hmm. Rest in peace. And doesn't, um, Laugh Hub City do a, a show in his honor every year? Yeah, well, we team up with the, um, Harper Fest mm-hmm. Unity Grant people. They always do some kind of event, like this past year, it was like a golf tournament mm-hmm. uh, in his honor, so everybody paid in to participate in the tournament, and then all the money goes um, to that uh, organization. They're like, I think they're actually a nonprofit now, and uh, they use that money to help people in the service industry or people that don't have health insurance to get uh, therapy. Mm. So That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah, I actually got a card from Jim. Jim Black. He had he was over at their they had a booth on for the Halloween show at Jake's. Yeah. And I heard that they were doing that. I was like, Oh, I, I need some help. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I got a card, but I gotta follow up on that still. Yeah. Do it. For sure. Yeah. You can't always treat mental health with drugs, but sometimes you could try. I mean no. I, okay, never under, mind. Under doctor supervision. That is the official stance of this podcast. Mm-hmm. Okay. I agree. There is ketamine therapy now. Right, yeah. Well, and there's, like, MDMA therapy, too. I was curious. Speaking of famous chemists, have you ever heard of Sasha Shulgin? I don't remember what his birth name... I think it was Alex. But Sasha Shulgin, uh, he's famous for MDMA. And also the books, uh, Phenethylamines I've Known and Loved and Tryptamines I've Known and Loved, which are, like, considered, like, Bibles when it comes to uh, hallucinogens and things like that. How do you spell it? Sasha? Uh, S-H-U-L-G-I-N. You. There's been documentaries about ah, him. He's like a he's a crazy chemist person who tests out everything on himself, and he's been doing it for a while. Oh, he tests everything on himself. Well, mm-hmm. okay, we'll probably do it. We will definitely do a episode on him. Then that uh, is not someone I knew about. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's serious chemist person. There's some cool documentaries about him too. It's like ethical, Dope. right? If you're going to test something on someone, you might as well no. test it on yourself. No, it's not. <laughs> That's not ethical. No. I mean, but is it, is it, I, I just mean, comparatively, is it more ethical than forcing someone? Oh, of course. It's more ethical than that, but okay. it is still a big no-no to okay. test things cool, on cool, yourself. Cool. Yeah, obviously, like, forcing it on someone is never, never more ethical right. than doing it to yourself. Right. But you're never supposed to do it to yourself either. Okay, good Because also, like, doing it to yourself is, like... There's not a lot of good scientific data you can really get from that, right? Like, if you're the one who's messed up. Right, it's too subjective. It's too subjective and, like, yeah. Like, if you if you were the participant and you at least had someone else, I guess, monitoring you and collecting the data you needed, maybe. But it's just, like, not useful, right? Like, it's just not science at that point. <laughs> Unless someone is actually, like, recording data about it. Because then it's just... Then it's just like anecdotal, I guess. Exactly. Okay. The documentary, like- the documentary about him, I remember, is called Dirty Pictures, and it's called Dirty Pictures because like every chemical compound has its own like shape, right? And mm-hmm. that's what he draws. He draws the dirty pictures of the different chemicals he makes. I still don't understand why it's a dirty picture. Then I think it's just a funny name for the uh, for okay. the for the doc. But yeah, he does. <clears throat> All the various different types of uh, chemicals and stuff. Hmm. MDMA being like the the one that might be the most famous, but like I'm pretty sure he's also been had his hand in like all the various research chemicals and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure uh, he's if he's testing it on himself. I'm sure he's trying them. I'm to be honest with you, I'm not even sure if he's still alive because 
when that doc came out, he was super old. You know? Yeah, he died in 2014. Oh, jeez. Wow, how about that? So he was, let's see, 88. So he lived a long time. That's a long time to be doing a lot of drugs. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'll definitely have to check out... Because that definitely sounds like some cowboy chemistry right yeah, there, no, right? No, like, no, for sure. For sure. <laughs> that is like the definition of cowboy chemistry. So let's go. Yeah. We'll have you back on for that. Because, cool. yeah. So there's three other kinds of hallucinogens. So that I cover the whole gambit here. So this the second most common type is dissociative. That is ketamine. Ketamine is actually a dissociative, not a uh, classic hallucinogen. Just FYI. And I'm wondering, when it comes to ketamine, like the uh, the application mm-hmm. because what, I've, I've had like an analog of ketamine but in that that was insufflation but the thing that's famous for making it psychedelic and it's so potent is the intramuscular mm-hmm. you know so i'm curious like if it's uh classified as a disassociative yeah is it disassociative in like in the what in insufflation versus intramuscular because i feel like they're different they're but I probably also don't know. Different. I'm sure most of it comes down to your dose. Mm-hmm. And so the dose when you insufflate is different than the dose if you were to inject it. And, you know, just like mm-hmm. any other medication, right? Like the, right. Pa- the path that you take it affects what dose you'll take it at. And so I'm sure it comes down to the dose. And so, like, I don't know exactly what dose would be more higher or lower. That's not what I actually looked into. But what makes it a dissociative in general is just that it's an, it's a it's an analgesic, right? So it, it prevents pain. Uh-huh. And then it's also kind of a um, uh, anesthesia, right? It's like a kind of anesthesia. So a lot of vets still use ketamine for like large um, animals. Procedures so like stuff. for procedures. So if you have a horse that needs some kind of procedure, they'll give them ketamine. It's famously known as Special K. Right. Horse was... tranquilizers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that know? where... Um... Is that where most people get it? What the vet? Like, yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's where most no. people get it. Um, I mean, but that, I mean, that would be a way to ensure that it's kind of a more, like it's a cleaner mm-hmm. product. The vets are not going to be putting, um, what is the drug fentanyl. that everyone, yeah, the vets are not going to be putting fentanyl no. in, the cat, in the ketamine. Yeah, yeah, no, I, and, and yeah, if, if you are buying ketamine that's like not, not from a, a trusted source, you know, definitely right. be testing it for fentanyl. You should be testing all your drugs for fentanyl. I mean, even if you're not expecting fentanyl to be in there, like it wouldn't make yeah. sense for it to like, be in there. But like, there's just such a small amount can kill you. Yeah. I mean, and I would test like, everything for it. Apparently, even MDMA, like, it can show up in MDMA and stuff like that. So yeah, like even it's weed. showing up in a, yes. Really? It's showing up in a lot That's of crazy. strange places. Um, I did suggest that my, because my stepfather recently got diagnosed with lupus, and I suggested that he get a medical marijuana card mm-hmm. um, to help him not only with, like, his inflammation and his pain, but also his mood. Yeah. And the way that he's going to, you know, process having the illness, mm-hmm. just make him more kind of positive about it, I guess. Um, and my mom was like, well, what if it's laced with fentanyl i was like mom if you're buying it yeah if you're medically it's not going to be laced with like nobody's going to put no pharmacist is going to put fentanyl in marijuana like it just doesn't make sense that is a trusted source you don't have to worry about it that's what i told her she because she was like i was like mom stop watching the news on tv please stop yeah, but it it is showing up in really surprising places because that's why i say i wouldn't think that anybody would put it in weed you wouldn't think so and i don't know why it's there I don't know why it's there. I don't know if somebody is just, there's just some cruel people out there putting it in random places. But that's why I say I don't trust any any source that's not like 
from a pharmacist or something right. like because like i just don't i've there are cases of people having it in, in drugs that you would not expect fentanyl to get laced into you know yeah yeah um there was a i think there was a whole story on on HuffPost Highline, I think, about... Was it Highline? I don't know. Um, it was either HuffPost or, or the AP. And this uh, young lady, she was like in her early 20s. She was a single mom in the beginning of the pandemic. She was having a lot of anxiety. Mm-hmm. So she was trying to buy Xanax. Yeah. And it was... It killed her because it was there was fentanyl in it. Mm-hmm. Dang. Which is why, like... I mean... And she... I don't know if she had health insurance, but it's always like... Your doctor will give you Xanax. Like, if you mm-hmm. just have a PCP, just do it that way. Versus buying one pill from a dealer because you just it's just not safe yeah you said pcp and primary care physician i know but like i remember you don't hear about it as much these days anymore but pcp used to be a street drug oh yeah 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 Um, i'm not sure if it was a psychedelic it is i was about to say it is it's a it is a dissociative Uh uh-huh so because like ketamine like ketamine um so the list of my dissociatives here are um pcp ketamine nitrous oxide um chloroform and diethyl ether so chloroform and diethyl ether like people don't really take those anymore because like but can you um, have a good time with chloroform (laughs) (laughs) no (laughs) go home and knock myself out no (laughs) no um but try try to dance on some all of these are are, (laughs) are real cool Okay. No, but I'll, okay. So what about what about uh, Rohypnol? Because people have been doing Rohypnol mm-hmm. like recreationally. So themselves. okay. So I don't. I'm not 100 percent sure, but Rohypnol is probably the third class, which is the deliriants. Hmm. Okay. So deliriants are these are usually not party drugs, not at all. Like right. most people think of them as poisons. Like if you were to hear the name of these, you're like, oh, poison, because a lot of them are like from the nightshade family, like belladonna. Like, so, like, most of them are poisons. In high doses, nicotine, Benadryl, and Dramamine all follow under this category. But it takes, like, a lot. Because, uh, I don't know if it's specifically Dramamine, but it's other drugs, like, like, and I don't know what the chemical name is of... Anticholergenics? That's that's what this class of, like, deliriants are all anticholergenics. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, because there was, there have been, like, a few episodes of, of, and it's based on news stories obviously a few episodes of law and order svu where people are using these drugs that are supposed to be like anti-nausea drugs or whatever but they're using it to basically coerce people like they either use it they dose somebody Mm -hmm. and then they rob that person and that person because that person remains like mostly conscious Mm -hmm. but they're also very easily like super suggestible right so you can convince them to give you anything and like they use it in the context of like people get sexually assaulted on those drugs people get robbed and stuff like that so that's mm-hmm. that third class yeah that of- that's probably yeah that's probably what this is mm-hmm. this class is is what that is yeah you said like, anticoagulants collagenics is it like anticoagulation it, no it, it's another kind of like neurotransmitter huh. effect so um i can look up exactly because i am bad at explaining about neurotransmitters i have bad allergies and usually nothing works. So for the longest time, I lived off Benadryl. But I mm-hmm. never abused Benadryl to the effect of like getting a an experience. But I recently found there's a subreddit for people that uh that do that. Mm-hmm. Apparently, you I don't remember how much, but it is like way too much Benadryl, and it can induce some type of psychoactive experience. Yeah, because yeah. if you if you take a whole lot of it, it basically has like it almost reverses the effect of 
like benadryl normally makes you sleepy mm-hmm. right but if you take a whole lot of it you don't get sleepy like i wonder how comparable and it's kind of like cough syrup that way i, think. I was about to say yeah. it sounds like what's that uh that uh what is it called scopolamine no 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 there's a that's what it is Scop- yeah scopolamine is uh, yeah. a delirium um mm, but so an- anticholinergic anticholinergenics is uh they block acetyl the action of acetylcholine which is a neurotransmitter why it's a poison essentially is because it's it's blocking those subconscious mechanisms that keep things like your heart beating regularly breathing your body temperature so like most of the time because these are poisons, right? Most of the time, death comes from tachycardia. So your heart beats so fast that it just, like, you give yourself a heart attack because your heart's beating so fast. Or hyperthermia. Your body literally overheats itself because it, it's just interfering with those um, sub, like, you're not conscious of the what your brain's doing. The process. So yeah. not a fun drug. It's yeah. not a party drug. They are not a fun time. Like, you know, like, scopolamine, all those ones that people are taking as party drugs. I don't know why... Or the, the what, what's the one that you said was? It's, it is. It is Oh, yeah. Rohypnol. Rohypnol. Yeah. I don't know why people are taking that. Like, you don't even remember what happens. Like, that is so I scary. Don't I don't know why anybody's taking that as a party drug. Like, that's so scary. And then the last co- ca- um, category that is kind of a hallucinogen. This one's kind of like hallucinogen sedative are like it's on the edge of that is they're called hypnotics. So essentially, these are like sleeping pill type um things so anything that's like in a sleeping pill family they are sedatives but like they can also have visual perception um alter uh, visual perceptions so so like when you when you accidentally uh drink a bottle of wine after you've had your ambien um and then the tv starts to get really interesting (laughs) i don't know what do you mean by interesting but yes that's exactly the sleeping pill i was thinking of (laughs) is ambien because like if you stay awake on ambien like you start doing weird stuff yeah my um my stepdad takes Ambien. He takes it, like, all the time because he can't sleep. Mm-hmm. But he'll, like, he'll get up and walk outside, like, walk around outside. Or, mm-hmm. like, mom has to, my mom has to, like, hide the keys from him because <laughs> Cause he'll, she's afraid, she's he afraid he's going to try yeah. to drive. Yeah. And there, I think there's also, like, a, didn't somebody murder somebody on oh, on Ambien? Yeah. I have no idea. There's, um, it's like a, it's like a, it was a young man, I think, and he murdered, like, his best friend or something. Jesus. Um, but he Yikes. was saying, like he's he's not guilty because he was asleep he was sleepwalking wow and he was on like See, ambien or some other kind of i don't sleep drug that's almost like a temporarily insane type that would be so hard to prove though uh-huh. yeah that'd be so like yeah. if that really did happen, like a, if that's really true like he was on ambien and that's what because he was on ambien yeah it's like a real um it's i don't remember what it was, was he found non-guilty it's still be i don't manslaw. remember i think if you were drunk and you did something you'd still get well, you so still it's, have to pay. Yeah, you still get in trouble, but it, it does depend, you know, on, um, like, with, whether it's murder or manslaughter, Honestly, right? It depends is it on they how can, good your lawyer is. If, <gasps> yeah. But I'm just saying, like, if, if you can prove that you were on this drug, like, yeah, maybe you'd get it down to manslaughter. But, yeah, you would still get in trouble. Have you guys ever heard of this drink called a Michael Ian Black? No. Okay, you know who Michael Ian Black is? No. <laughs> okay. Well, apparently, this is this is his drink. It's, he says it's, you, you take a you take a ambient pill and then you dip it in whipped cream that's a michael ian black oh that's not even a liquid yeah okay he's a a dumb comedian guy oh okay there's a lot of these actually there's a lot of these stories people that commit murder on ambient there's a lot of oh lord Uh, i I was like there's a nobody nobody take ambient then 
That's no, the I do second. not. Re- Plus, it, I mean, Ambien is highly addictive. Okay. Hmm. Second addictive official stance of this podcast: Don't take Ambien. Oh, I yeah. was like, I was I getting would, into I would agree it at first. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I, like, I mean, it also it's not it's not very effective either. Like, it's it's like with any other drug. Eventually, you're going to need more and tolerance. more of it. Yeah, yeah. the mm-hmm. tolerance thing. Just, yeah. Can can the official stance of this podcast be uh, use CBD products to sleep? What, are you trying to get a sponsorship? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just think it's less like you're doing less damage to your body versus taking sleeping pills. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if if CBD works, I mean, CBD is not yeah. going to hurt you. Right. You know, it's worth trying. Um, I don't know that it's always effective, but some like right. it, it, it does help me when I have like pain issues, mm-hmm. but it could also be a placebo effect. But I'd rather do that versus taking like four and a half tylenols like i usually do good, good. yeah yeah I mean, tylenol is not so great all the acetaminophen no, it's bad for your liver yeah plus i drink yeah so doing so. both and like i'm gonna have to take the tylenol mm-hmm. and i don't have enough self i mean i i do i think i do now have enough self-control uh to not drink after my sober october uh experience i did not uh practice last night but you know i can <laughs> yeah I we're do. in november now yeah it's a whole different ball game now. But I just know, like, it's, I also sometimes take my um, heartburn medication with alcohol because I just don't, I'm just an idiot. I don't know. I'm just <laughs> going to say that that might cancel each other out right there. Just, yeah, just yeah. done. Whatever heartburn you're going to get before, you're still getting it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's really all I had about psychedelics. I had um, a weird thought on the way over here. Okay. Just, kind of thinking about the definition of psychedelics and what does it mean for something to be psychedelic you know Mm -hmm. um you know lately i've been talking a lot about celibacy and so all the way over here i was wondering it's like are are orgasms psychedelic at all you know i'm gonna go with no that's a no (laughs) i don't know it's 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 something it's definitely a neurological phenomena (laughs) you know it's probably uh that's probably a dopamine related phenomena mm-hmm. i don't think there's a lot of serotonin in that one okay that's my theory i don't know i was just trying to that's think my, of like that's my science stance on that topic uh-huh. <laughs> cool that's what i was wondering be antidepressant yeah <laughs> it's uh it's it's good for pain relief too right mm-hmm. <laughs> there was, that's what i'm saying dopamine uh-huh. <laughs> I can it can be addictive Anything dopamine is addictive. Yeah. But anyway, that's all I got. Hallucinogens. We've got like, would you call those classes? So, so there were psychedelics, disassociatives, mm-hmm. then there was a... What are Deliriums. The last Deliriums. And, um, and then the other ones was kind hypnotics. of on the fence. Hypnotics. Yeah. Those are the ones. Um, I call them categories. So to, like, to call it like a class. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not the right word. Yeah. Classes are kind of like more of um, like a governmental or like... You know, like, it's more about, like, the structure and, like, some other things. Uh-huh. It's, like, a legal like, term. It's more of a legal term. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, to, like, when you have classes of, of substances. Um, this is more categories. And then it's also, like, based on the effect. Like, how I've classified it here, it's based on the effects of the drugs and, like, how addictive they are and those kind of things. Like, not based on the structure. Mm-hmm. It's, like, how you talked about earlier with like the structures mm-hmm. right those would be like the classes of drugs they are based on their structure huh. versus like what i was talking about is more about like because even calling them hallucinogens is not a real a real term right like legally like entheogens yeah which like, some people like to use that word yeah so that so if it's an 
entheogen, that means it was like, it's usually from, it's from a culture and it's used for cultural reasons, religious mm-hmm. reasons. Right. That's the difference. And that's also not like a science word in the sense of like chemically a science yeah, word, right? That's like that's more of like an anthropological thing, yeah. um, which anthropology is also sort of a science. I don't know if they classify themselves as a science hmm. because I know, or at least I guess they are, I think they are considered a science because like basically there's sociology and there's anthropology and they're two different ways of looking at the same things Hmm. and anthropology looks at it from an insider perspective and so a lot of people from sociology is like well that's not as objective because you're looking at it from within a culture whereas sociology you're looking in a culture from the outside trying to be objective trying to be objective uh and so like i just have heard from sociology people that anthropology is like a different approach and like but it less objective like aren't they both pretty subjective yes like sociology like correct you can't say like that's an abnormal thing in culture unless you're class like unless you're saying that what you do is normal right correct that's a, it's that's always a big why, that's a why you mad mm-hmm. thing yeah. right there that's we should ask louisa <sighs> so but that that's that's just me too because i was like i don't know if i don't know how anthropologists classify themselves to be clear i'm just not sure how they look at their own field because like again they're trying to look at it and understand it from the insider perspective they go into a culture and they learn the language they learn the religion they practice as much as is um respectful to do the culture like like that immersion um, they immerse themselves like that scarlett johansson movie where she's a babysitter for rich people I have no idea what you're talking no. about. I don't know that one either. Do okay. Um, <laughs> I don't either. I don't know all of Scarlett Johansson's work. Uh, yeah, but that it's that movie. And then Wasn't like, she in Clueless? Scojo? Yeah. No. 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 Um, no, so there's that movie because she's an anthropologist and she's like, she's like, I don't want to study like what, what she would consider like a foreign thing. She's like, I want to study this like very subcategory of people in mm. – who live like on the Upper East Side in New York City? Yeah, that mm-hmm. kind of thing, hmm. or like the way that Louisa does with with comedians, you know, hmm. living amongst them. I would not want to study comedians as a comedian myself. Uh. I'm not really that interested. <laughs> uh. I don't know. I think it'd be interesting. I think you need the DSM five, right? To study comedians? Yeah. Why? Uh, just you know, classification of different mental illnesses. I mean, and, yeah, uh, I guess, you know. but that's not really. It's, I don't think that anthropology is so much about like saying, I don't think that's saying like in this population, this many people have mental illnesses. I don't know that that's part of that's anthropology. That's not what, what anthropologists that, would yeah, probably right, do. Right, right. No. They would, it would just be a study of like the, the cultural habits and stuff. And like, so like. Yeah. They, they would say, probably talk about like people are like, you know, like comedians, if they're in a room and someone's doing their bit, right, they're there's a an urge from the group to laugh at their joke even if you don't think they're funny right like that's part of being polite and being in this society in this right. group or right? like um like you could say like we have our own rules right so like mm-hmm. the light would be almost like a, yeah. a god that would be like a religious i think like a, <laughs> I, think that'd be religious. <laughs> I think the light is religious and i think time is religious it's like a huh. you know it's a it's, it's, sac- it's a, are you saying you it's sacrilege to go to go past your time in a stand-up set Bla- i mean it's just it's borderline blasphemous it's unacceptable you know? <laughs> yeah it's unacceptable or like um, excommunication i mean i would say honestly like if you're if you're talking about like blasphemy it'd be like if somebody was like i really don't like dave Chappelle. i don't think dave Chappelle is funny a lot of comedians i think would consider that blasphemous like oh. you can't hmm. say that about him even though it's like kill your gods is it right that is a thing 
I do. I mean, I I can understand why somebody would want to do it. Is I it really just... that unpopular to not like Dave Chappelle? Because Dave Chappelle's like not a good person. No, he's not. Um, like, but put his is, comedy to the side. Like, he's not a good he's person. Not a good but person. he is. He's still a achieved great an iconic status. I mean, you know, fair, so... but like. When I can it, still not like him. That's how yeah. I feel. You know, 100%, like, yeah. like well, certainly because like his yeah. job as a comedian yeah, is but unrelated like, to if I like him. Right. Yeah. Because um, I, I also because I, I was always a fan of his when I was younger, mm-hmm. and then he, you know, but it is like you can't say that he's not good at comedy. He's just a bad person, <laughs> and right. he has bad takes. And you can like you can make a good point with a joke, even if the point is wrong. Like, just because it's a good joke doesn't mean the point is right, which I think people, especially comedians, have a hard time kind of connecting that. It's like, just because they made a good point, like, just because the punchline really works doesn't mean that what they said is factual or, like, mm-hmm. has any basis in truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, like, I don't know. But that's also a part, like, it's just a dumb comedian thing. It's like, it really is, like, gospel to some people. The way they they revere certain comedians and, like, certain jokes and certain styles of mm-hmm. comedy it is very like it it's religious you know these they, there you are idols like real it, right? idols yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's i think it's stupid um but you know i'm in the group so i can think that i guess i don't know <laughs> i actually can't they would a lot of comedians be would be very upset for me to say like oh that's just stupid like it's just a bad take and it's okay to have bad takes like you can be wrong and still be funny i don't I don't know why that's difficult for people to understand. I was going to say, yeah, I mean, yeah. I I don't think that's controversial even. Like, why why it's, do I expect my stand-up comedies to be, comics to be right about everything? Right. Like, right. But, I mean, that goes for literally anyone. Yeah, but like, a lot of comedians would not think that way. Yeah. Yeah, know? exactly. Um, yeah, that's my thought. Is like, why, why are we expecting our stand-up comics to be telling us things like, yeah we're not you don't have to be super deep to be funny like you don't have to do that no comedians are not really supposed to be they're not really supposed like people are like oh they're modern day philosophers i was like yeah but they also just like talk about their penises for <laughs> 15 minutes yeah so i don't know where the philosophy is in that necessarily but okay i guess if that makes you feel better i don't know yeah like you can make punchy philosophers or modern day philosophers like <laughs> yeah philosophers I have I have such beef with philosophy people sometimes. I'm like, yeah. huh. how much, like, how much do we really need to spend time contemplating this random, very niche thing? Because, like, I don't know, like, and then yeah, I mean, it's, it's just such a male-centered world too. Like, right. any time I ever hear people talk about philosophy, and especially yeah. any woman Which is why who is comedy interested, is like that too. Yeah. yeah, any woman who's interested in philosophy often gets pushed out. Huh. Yeah, like they get pushed out. They get. I mean, it's such a hard right. field to be in. What, what so many people would consider, like, the great philosophers are all men. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, like, people are like, oh, well, it's just because that's what the opportunities were, blah, blah, blah. Well, yeah. Now we're in modern times. Where's all the female philosophers? Right. I don't see them. It's just, I mean. It's, it's still the same problem. It's the same, it's the same problem that we have in anything, especially, like, in, in things like comedy. When you think, when you, when people list, like, the top 10 greatest comedians of all time, mm-hmm. they never put Joan Rivers in there. They rarely ever put Joan Rivers in there, and she absolutely should be in there. Mm-hmm. No. Like her and amongst other amongst one. other female comedians, she absolutely should be in there on par, like on par with like I would say, I got Larry David. Larry David. Larry David. Yeah, if you're gonna put Larry David in a list, you have to put Joan Rivers in that, that same list. Like mm-hmm. they're to me, they're like kind of equivalent as mm-hmm. far as like the the talent and the impact that they had on stand up. 
but people never do. Yeah, uh, Rivers had a legacy career. You yeah, know? yeah, it's completely unrelated to hallucinogens. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't I'll, know how I'll, we got here. Yeah, I don't know. We don't have anthropology. That's why. Yeah, anthropology, and I, I, I would just like to say I'm not dissing anthropologists. I love anthropology. It's probably one of my favorite social sciences. Just to be clear, like I love anthropology. I love taking the anthropology class. Uh, I just don't know if they consider themselves a science. <laughs> this was my only right, question. Right. Would it be more kind of like? a soft science quote-unquote like i don't really believe in soft sciences like right right i don't i don't like the term right i do believe in the things but i don't like the term right but i wonder um, if that's where yeah because it's I think definitely that's where a lot like, of people would classify it mm-hmm. yeah because like that that's my thought is like they're not trying to like necessarily find these objective truths all the time like that's right. not always the point of anthropology right. right they're not trying to generalize they're, they're making, doing the opposite they're not trying to make uh like laws Right, like exactly. Because, like, that's my thought with science is usually with science you have one, um, like, you try to make observations that you can then generalize to a large, broad field, right? Which is what sociology tries to do. They try to make sociology, psychology, try to make make observations and then make them general. Um, you can't always do that with people, right? Like, it doesn't work the same way as it does with, like, chemicals, right? Like, because mm. chemicals, you can make observations and, like, they'll do the same thing every single time. People don't do that. Right, like people will change. People are not static. Right, it's not the same. So, yeah, and just knowing their approach to how they do people, they're trying to go more specific. Like this person in this culture will react this way to this situation, versus like all people forever will react in this situation. Like that's not how they think of things, mm. right? So it's just kind of a different way to think about humans that I I enjoy. I think it's how you should think about humans because like humans are not without their context. So right, that's my thought. Variables at play exactly yeah so um yeah have you ever uh you probably test a lot of chemicals at work as a chemistry chemist do you test ever? them how i don't know um i'm just curious i've never tested psychedelics i know that you can probably just like get a test online and that's mm -hmm. the edit to be safe yeah almost sounds like a fun experiment yeah so you can get um how they work how for like if you're testing for fentanyl for example you get these mm -hmm. little strips and so they change color it's just like if you were to test something for its ph so you would like take your your pill or whatever you were putting it dissolve it in water and then you'll put your little test strip in the water and then if it changes colors and there's usually like a key i don't know what color it changes mm -hmm. but there's a key on the thing and so like if it turns green for example or whatever the color is that tells you that it's present in your substance mm -hmm. so that's how the test strips work um i actually don't do a lot of like what people would think of as chemical testing in my work mm -hmm. that's more of like analytical chemistry so I'm an inorganic, like a synthetic inorganic chemist is kind of my realm. So I'm actually making new chemicals. Hmm. Um, Dude, you're going to get a kick out of Sasha Shulgin. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So like, that's just like a different world, you know, like, but there are people like at the last university I was at, there was a whole department, there was a whole um, group that their whole thing was testing fentanyl. Like, they were trying to come up with the best ways to test for fentanyl and, like, fentanyl derivatives, right? So, like, because, you know, this was this was probably right before they put in the new – or no, it was right after the new, like, analog laws mm -hmm. um, of, like, you know, when, when – like, what analogs are still illegal, right? So, like, now all analogs of fentanyl are basically in the same category, right, I with see. your law. And so they were doing – they were basically testing water samples. Um, other, They had a, a thing with the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation. So, like, sometimes the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation would send them samples and be like, I need you to test it and see if there's 
fentanyl or fentanyl derivatives in here because we had like a special license and like a big vault where we kept all of our samples and stuff because it was like serious yeah seriously controlled substances and like a lot of the time the people in that lab had to have um what's that drug they put it up your nose if you're ODing. narcan narcan they they had narcan they had narcan on hand because if for example a strong breeze bless blew it into their face like that can be enough to od you but only on if accident only if it's like a powder not if it's like a pill Right. So like, but like a lot of times it's not for like, them to test things, they have to ground up a powder, dissolve it, and then put yeah. it through an instrument, right? So yeah. like. There was, there's a, like a person on Twitter that d- talks a lot about fentanyl, mm-hmm. like from a, from a science standpoint, like she's a chemist mm-hmm. and she works, like she makes drugs. Yeah. Um, She was talking about like how, like cops are like, oh, if it brushes them on the shoulder, then they'll die. And she's like, look, I'm touching fentanyl with my bare finger and I'm not dead. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Just like, because kind of the hysteria. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is pretty bad. Like, you just don't want to get it in your mouth, nose, eyes. Like, you're... There's a yeah, if it touches paranoia. your skin, you're not gonna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the police have been paranoid about There's like, a whole, just yeah. touching it, coming into contact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they should be careful in the sense of like, if you find a strange powder, like, yeah, wash your hands, make sure you're not, yeah, touching your face, like, don't pick your nose. Yeah, <laughs> you've been touching a lot of drugs. But like, I mean, it, yeah, it's definitely not, like, don't do so... that thing that cops used to do where they would like put their pinky in the drug and then test oh! it to make sure it was cocaine. <laughs> it's like definitely do not do that. Um, uh, Definitely be, don't do that. That'd be that's kind of funny. It's dark. But that's it's like funny. literally how they used to test it. Yeah, they were like, "Is this cocaine? Let, Let me just do a give bit. a little taste. A little Is taste it test. Me? Oh yeah, mm, tastes like death. <laughs> you know? It's not vegan, right? Uh, well, I mean, cocaine's not. If that's what you mean. Yeah, cocaine's right. not fentanyl. vegan. Cocaine's not vegan. Yeah, it's people. People are the ones that are made to well, suffer I mean, for but, the creation oh, of that. Yeah. Got you, got you. Know you. But then nothing's vegan. So, you know, the definition, right. you know, has that practicability in there. Yeah. You know. This is going to start another argument. <laughs> I'm not gonna... No, no, I don't. <laughs> I'll stop. I'll stop. No, I don't want to argue about it. <laughs> I won't go there. I will. I mean, I love to argue, but I I think this is good to end up. Do you want to do plugs? Plugs? Sure. Follow okay. us online at Cowboy Chemistry, at Cowboy Chem, at Cowboy Chemistry Podcast on the various social medias that I don't remember which one is which. Yes. Uh, and Dirk, do you have a... You want to plug your social medias? Hell yeah. Yeah. So you can follow me. My name is Derek. That's a.k.a. Titty Fart Cramps. T-I-T-T-Y Fart Cramps. Uh, we're doing The Lantern tonight. Yes. We did a fun show at Cafe J last night. And I said, if I do another show like I did last night, then there's going to end up being three wheelchair comics here in town. It's because I <laughs> Why? Get what happened? He stood on top of a chair and then decided to use the mic stand as a footstool. footstool. <laughs> oh, uh, and then it started. No! Yeah, it started to uh, and go down. Uh, and then he just like hopped I reached onto for the, the ceiling. Stage. I reached for the ceiling. Yeah. I was like, oh, look. I he, he's the ceiling. very close to the I was, ceiling. All of it's kind of like an unconscious thing. That's just like my, like all that stuff, the act. That's like unconscious me being nervous, just still inexperienced as a comedian still. Mm-hmm. But I it's think it works though. Like it, because it's very, it's very compelling and people want to pay attention because mm-hmm. they're like, what in the world is this man doing? Yeah. What is happening in front of me? I think you should keep it. I really, I am a huge fan of it, it's, and not it's in like because like, it's just like I don't, I can't do that. I couldn't do that. It's like how, not, learning how to use my voice too. Yeah, you know what I mean. So that I'm not always yelling. I mean, there, I don't but, like because I don't, I don't, I never, almost never do physical comedy. Yeah, and that's something like I wish I could. I just I like don't a have that bit skill of the set. Physical, you know, I'm, I'm a little. Dumb. It's a skill. I mean, it's a skill. I know you kind of tend to think it's like a 
crutch, uh-huh. but I don't think of it that way. I really think it is a skill set. I was going to say, to me, it's always felt like part of your routine, like in a very integral way. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. I can't imagine you not. I can't imagine you just doing standing that. there like a. Like just standing yeah, there like being me like, and just doing the jokes. Yeah. I think yeah. I've tried that and it doesn't, and those shows don't feel as well. So, like, yeah, now more days I'm more kind of like, I kind of know what I'm doing a little it. bit more. Yeah, I think I think Tomorrow, it works. And okay, it's unique. If Nobody I'm plugging, does even that, though like, this will be after the fact. Yeah, but, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll come post Saturday. online. Uh, that you're because you're a feature next t- or tomorrow, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Take a- so so tomorrow I'll, uh, and I'll put it on I'll put it on our thing and just be like, hey, come out and see our guests and then listen to the podcast on Saturday. Cool. Yeah, take pictures. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> this looks like you're the microphone. Good. <laughs> <laughs> what is your microphone? Yeah, I do think it's uh funny though because like a lot of times when you take my picture, I feel like I look I look really like you're just like mid. A mid-sentence, so I'm like, uh, <laughs> this is the first yeah. time I think I've ever posed for a picture. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we probably need to start, like, actually having people, um, like, pose for their pictures, because you just kind of, like, take the pictures as we do. Yeah, but I mean, sometimes whenever, I can get a good one if you're, like, mid-sentence. Like, I got, I think the one I have of uh, Morgan is really good. Uh-huh. I thought I thought that one was a pretty good picture. And I took that kind of when he was in mid-sentence. Yeah. So I'm trying to do more candid ones. But I, like I need candid. to be more. I need to do. More. I have a preference for candid. Because yeah. if I try to if I try to pose, then it'll come out. Yeah. Wonky. I just need to. I just mm-hmm. need to remember that that's something that I am supposed to do. Yeah. If you don't mind, because like. No. Yeah. I just. I, I just, just always. Forget. For, I always forget yeah. too. Maybe we should just like put a thing somewhere that's like take a picture. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I usually do if I can't remember something. I just like put a thing on there. Like when Ryan burned his hand. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw that online, but he had like a big, oh, he has yeah. a big blister right here. Mercy. Um, so now you have a sign that says use the moose. Use the moose. I wrote it on I'll the, just I wrote it, it on the oven. I was yeah. like, use the moose. I'm just going to put like, I'm going to make you a sticker to stick on the back of your computer that just says take a picture. So I'll remember. Perfect. <laughs> That's what we should do. Yeah. Cause I do you can make it merch I, now I look at too. this pretty frequently. <laughs> make them, make it merch. They just have like yeah. cowboy chemistry and like take right underneath picture. there it says take a picture. It says take a picture. I've had your sticker on my new joke book dope for all this year awesome i'm so happy i see my stickers like everywhere like the professors at tech have yeah. it on their computers i'm mm-hmm. like oh look me <laughs> i'm official <laughs> and then like i did that thing at puerto rico and like i compact the room nice. like with my thing like and people like came in for sure my talk picture. yeah people came in for that's my awesome. talk and then left when it was over like they came for my talk that's a good that's and i like, was like oh my god people came for my talk i was so excited i was like people like my silly like a, little podcast yeah, for a presentation for like a comedy show that's how i know it's a good comedy show mm-hmm. if people even if people didn't know there was a comedy show and they stayed the whole time and they leave immediately after that's always a good sign right they were there means, for yeah. you yeah, yeah. Um, it is kind of hard to sell merch when they leave, but you know, yeah, it is a good sign of a of a good like people liked it. Mm-hmm. But all right, hallucinogens, goodbye. Apoptosis going mad, my liver's gonna fail. Maybe it's from the radium I use to paint my nails. Well, say you hate me, carbon date me, throw me in the sea. I'll be back with time because I'm made of stardust and chemistry. Of stardust and chemistry. Hey.